August 1963. The Fairy Field. I was not long turned 13 or 14 when I escaped from the industrial school one dark night in summer. A nun had foolishly left the second floor window wide open, and I jumped to the bushes down below, with only a scratch or two for my troubles. Even though I was weak from the hunger and delirious from the beatings, I stole away through the night like a rabid badger, thundering through rushes, nettles and thistles, and jumping over one black bog hole after another, with nothing but a miserable sliver of moonlight to guide me along the way. I ran for miles and miles, through barren countryside, and there wasn't a sane sinner or fair to middling person to be seen anywhere. At this rate I'd be in the next county before anyone saw me. I'd be a free man forever. In the early hours of the morning, when it was still pitch black, I jumped over another bog hole, and had no sooner landed on the other side when I heard loud music in the distance. Though too young and too inexperienced to categorise it, it was Irish jigs and reels played on electric guitars and amplified so loud that it shook the whole countryside. It sent a thrill through my whole being, for this was what freedom was surely all about. In just a few short hours, the lads would be whipped out of bed to say the rosary and sing hymns at the industrial school. But at this ungodly hour, I was ready for something else entirely. I ran in the direction of the frenzied reels. I must have walked for another hour on what seemed like an endless quest to find the source of the music. But find it I did, and it was a sight to behold. There was a great big field in what must have been the middle of nowhere, and it was filled with the most beautiful young men and women I'd ever seen. They were all dancing feverishly to the screaming electric reels being masterfully played by a rock band on a great big stage at the other end of the field. Even from the distance, I marvelled at the brilliance of the long-haired Celtic rockers and the power of the sound they created in a lonesome field. And as I watched and listened in awe, it saddened me that at thirteen years of age, I had never fulfilled the dreams of my stolen youth and even held a guitar in my hands. I meandered in a daze through the throbbing young people, the tall handsome men and the light young girls in scantily clad dresses. I was intoxicated by the sights and the sounds. I wondered if the starvation and the beatings were just causing me to hallucinate, to see strange things that did not exist. Under the pale moonlight the music pounded my eardrums and the cleavage clattered my face. It was like nothing I had ever seen or even imagined before, and certainly not the type of thing one expected to find in a wet old field in Ireland. What could have possessed thousands and thousands of young people to descend on a bleak old spot like this? It's not just any old field, one of the young men said as if reading my thoughts. A great battle was fought here many thousands of years ago. Between who? I sheepishly asked. The fairies, he laughed, before running and grabbing a pretty young girl and dancing joyously with her. It was then I noticed some of the more bizarre activities going on in the damp old field, for all around the young couples not only danced, but engaged in acts of lovemaking in full view of everyone else. Naked bodies could be seen entangled everywhere, moving to the wild rhythms of the jigs and reels. 
and to the slower movements of the haunting ballads being picked with precision by the lead guitarist from afar. This place, this music was truly making everyone take leave of their senses, and certainly any sense of morals was left well outside the gate. If there was even a gate, for much as I tried, I could not even see any way out. Was I dreaming at all? I had to be. I had to be. Oh, don't be such a dullard, said one of the exotic young women as she pulled me by the shirt and dragged me out into the middle of the field for a dance. A raven hair swung into my face as she danced wildly before me, and her slow black eyes seemed to imprison me in a trance. For my feet fell fastened to the ground. I had never witnessed anything more beautiful in my life, my experience of women being reduced to the tyrannical nuns at the school. When the music stopped, she walked slowly towards me and swung her arms around my neck, shoved her wondrous bosom up against me and rolled her tongue slowly along her lips. You poor boy, she said. You look so sad. My heart froze as she moved closer to kiss me. Let's put a smile back on your face, she said. It was in that unlikely moment that I was certain I had not escaped the horrors of the industrial school at all and that this was nothing but a dream, if not a nightmare. In real life, a woman the like of this would have nothing to do with a clumsy young Amadon like me. As she went to bestow a sinful kiss on me, I saw from the corner of my eye two young people fooling around in the long grass. As they easily dispensed of their clothing and began to make furious love, the man looked around and grinned at me awfully. But it wasn't the face of a man at all, for he had the head of an old goat. The heart froze in terror. The promise of a surprise kiss no longer of interest. I pulled myself free of the raven-haired beauty and with the blood now all rushing back to my legs, I ran like I'd never ran before. Behind me it sounded like the hounds of hell and all manner of beasts were chasing me, for the primordial growls were fierce. But I dared not look back for the sight of men with the heads of pigs and goats would have killed me stone dead, even if their womenfolk were in themselves a sight for sore eyes. I saw an ancient stone wall fence in front of me and once I was within five or six feet I planned on taking an almighty leap that would take me to the other side and leave this godforsaken field behind forever, although the damage to the eardrums from the screaming amplifiers might be permanent, not to mention the deep hole ripped in my innocence. But though I ran and I ran through this cursed field the wall never got any nearer, though the growls in my wake grew louder and louder. What kind of demonically possessed feel was this? Was I to be imprisoned in this nightmare forever? What kind of marked ground had I foolishly entered that an innocent poor soul could no longer get out? I had no time to figure out the answer to that one, for a stone hit me full wallop on the back of the head and knocked me senseless to the ground. In one night I'd gone from the beatings of the industrial school to getting stoned to death at an evil rock concert. As I lay there in agony, I saw them running towards me, and though my vision was now well blurred, seeing stars as I was from the belt of the stone, they looked no less grotesque and menacing. Turn your pockets inside out, cried a young girl's voice. 
I lay there motionless, too afraid to move. I said, turn your pockets inside out, she screamed. This time I followed orders, and when my vision returned, I was alone in a field with a young girl, with the greenest of eyes standing over me, and my trouser pockets, of course, inside out. I was shivering with the cold. I was crying like a little baby. She kneeled down and gently rubbed my forehead. She then kissed me on the very same forehead, making my sore head feel better, for the crack of the stone was the only evidence left of the strange events that went before. It was a magic kiss. It was as if the dark hair's beauty's brashness had stolen my innocence, and this young girl had given it back. I had seen her before, but I didn't know where. I reached out to embrace her to hold her tight. Get your filthy paws off her, roared a man's voice. You disgusting animal, said another. Before I knew it, Father Brehany, accompanied by a well-dressed dark-haired man and some other priests, and nuns were standing over us. There'd be war now. The dark-haired man quickly grabbed the young girl, pulling her away from me. It's back to the convent with you. He then growled down at me. Did you lay a hand on her? No, I cried. I am ashamed to say, Mr. Gilhooley, said Father Brahini, that this dirty scoundrel is one of ours. Father Brahini then drew an unmerciful kick on me, grabbed me by the hair and pulled me to my feet where my head was met with his powerful you're punch. Scott, you're the first punch burst my lip. The second cracked my jaw. I had lost all feeling in my face by the time the third one struck. Leave the boy alone! I heard the beautiful green-eyed girl scream, but her pleas faded into the night as she too was dragged away. Back at the industrial school, they threw me in a room and the brutal beatings continued. I imagined this is what happened to all the other boys and soon they'd take my lifeless body out the back and bury it in an unmarked grave. Pat Breege and Fanula would never even know what became of me. My life would end at thirteen. I still would not have laid hands on a guitar, and yet was kissed by two beautiful women on the one night. A bad girl and a good girl, no less. Last thing I remembered was lying in a bed beaten to within an inch of my life. But one eye was so badly bruised it couldn't close and I had the displeasure of watching Sister Philomena standing over me. The Lord have mercy on us, but it's hard to kill a bad thing, was the last thing I heard her say. As I lay there all I could think of was the green-eyed girl and how she kissed my forehead and how it felt all better. When I got out of this hell, I would marry her one fine day.